The following podcast is an episode recorded at FinCon 2023. FinCon, of course, is a financial conference, and this year it was held in New Orleans, Louisiana. We had the good fortune of sitting down with Andrew Sather from the Investing for Beginners podcast and talking to him for about 20 minutes. So the background noise is, of course, people talking about finance and creating content and affiliate marketing and all that jazz. Jazz, get it? Because New Orleans. But uh, we think the audio quality is good enough. And please have a listen. Welcome to Time in the Market, a podcast that profiles investors and their journeys. Time in the Market is brought to you by Shareholder Vote Exchange, the world's first marketplace for shareholder voting rights. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment advice. Please enjoy the show. Originally, it was just going to be me and Preston talking about shareholder vote exchange and some of the mechanics behind it, and it was just going to be like a sit down. But uh, you're here, and yeah. I think that's probably more interesting. Okay, something we could actually <laughs> post. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I mean, I like talking about myself, so that's a good start. <laughs> I think I could say a little bit more interesting things than stuff on voter proxies. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Hopefully. Not that many people care. So. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about you, where you publish your content, and just uh, just give us a rundown. Uh, I appreciate it. I've been investing since 2012, so hit that decade mark. Big achievement. Not really. Published content on the Investing for Beginners podcast. I'm a prescribed former value holic. Went a little hard on the deep value stuff. Learned some hard lessons along the way. Always thought I could not have to pay a tuition when it came to picking stocks. Learned that that's not reasonable. Everybody pays a tuition at some point. So, you know, try, trying to teach people as we go along of what are some of the good ideas for today's market? What are some ideas that maybe don't work as well in today's market and really try to explain complex topics. Not quite as complex as proxy votes, but um, still things that I think tend to intimidate beginners when they start to look at the stock market. I mean, we've gone and and tried to explain things like ROIC and uh, for a beginner that can be kind of a little bit vague, but we try to give examples as much as we can to Hopefully break that down and help people paint a picture when they're trying to understand stocks and investments and hopefully learn a thing or two. If somebody can learn one thing, then I'm happy. So you mentioned that you kind of got started as a value investing was part of the philosophy. And I know we talked about this the other day that, you know, you do also lean a bit more in the the growth side and and maybe other strategies. So what are you focusing on right now? That's a great question. Uh, You know, me and my co-host, we were just talking about this this morning actually of like what what is it what what are we trying to buy and if uh if we could try to slap a label on it i would say we're playing the odds so i have a stock like crown castle it's a, a REIT, real estate investment trust it's been beat up i bought it. it continues to get beat up i don't like to see that but one of those cases where if this stock can get back to growing at gdp the valuation is so attractive plus you get a nice yield on top it should beat the market. So I like to look at stocks like that as playing the odds. If there are base rates, places where most stocks tend to grow at over time, and if a stock is cheap enough where it's the market thinks it can't even grow at GDP, and you can find an opportunity like that, 
and get a lot of return in a short time. And so that's what we call playing the odds. The other thing is uh, trying to trying to find companies that are base rate breakers, you know? The ones that don't grow just at GDP, but can grow much higher, maybe even double digit or more. Uh, maybe not more than double digit, that sounds, I'm, I'm not looking for the next stock that can triple. But you know, companies like Apple or Microsoft or Visa, companies that continue to take market share, even when people think, all right, this has to be the time they stop taking market share. This has to be the time they stop growing at 10% a year. They continue to do it. And so I have positions in stocks like that, that hopefully if I do enough research, I figure out that the moats are still strong, that those will be the type of companies that will continue to be base rate breakers over the long term. I had actually done research on uh, Crown Castle few months ago and uh, how do you feel about the sort of competitive uh, landscape there they have uh, American Tower and then uh, SBA of course uh, is, is a bit smaller so where do you think they're kind of positioned and how do you think that market as a whole is going to continue over time excellent questions I mean when I look at do I think that this market's viable over the long term just look around at the conference we're at today how many <laughs> times have you seen somebody on their phone like it's it's a, it's Phones are not going away. I walk down the street, half the people are on their phone. I don't think connectivity will ever go away. I mean, we can argue that maybe 5G is the pinnacle, but they've made the same argument in 4G and 3G and 2G. We just we don't see the use case yet for 5G, but it, it's going to be there. We just we can't know what it is. And so I don't see... Warren Buffett likes to talk about bet on America. I don't think that people should bet against innovation and bet against mankind being innovative because we've proven to be innovative all this time. There's no way that innovation just stopped tomorrow because I bought Crown Castle. <laughs> and if it does, I think we've got some bigger problems. So that's, that's kind of how I see the long-term kind of secular play around it. Competitive landscape-wise, they're definitely taking a very different approach from what their peers are doing. The two peers, American Tower and SBA, they're moving more into the data center space. They believe in edge computing, which if you're not an expert in it, it's basically this idea. If we can get all the technical hardware closer together, we can get faster speeds, and that can be a way to differentiate the kind of speeds that we can enable. Whether their strategy works or Crown Castle, which is moving more on the small cell side, which is basically this idea. If I'm in downtown LA and there's a million people around me using the 5G network, that's going to clog the network. Crown Castle has small cells that help alleviate that, that densification. Problem is, is they've been pushing and investing in small cell technology for a while, and Wall Street's getting impatient. They're not seeing the results. And, and so that, that explains the valuation gap between them and their peers. I don't necessarily have an opinion on whether the data center edge computing is going to work out or whether it's going to be the small cell densification. I have no idea. I feel like those guys are running their business. They, they probably have a good insight into that. What I see when I looked at Crown Castle is they had a lot more contracted revenues than their peers. So to me, the next three, five years is a lot more stable from a revenue perspective. They are taking a hit because Sprint did some consolidation, but their three to five year revenues are very stable. They're contracted, so we know they're coming in. And they also have more control over the towers that they do have. Some of their other peers are leasing those towers instead of owning them. They don't have as much control. So I feel in a worst case scenario where 5G is the, is the, is the end and we don't have anything more, I think Crown Castle is the best position. And so I 
when I'm looking at stocks, one of the things I also like to look at is margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. That's kind of our motto on the show. So I feel that there's a margin of safety emphasis on the safety in the fact that they have more control on their towers. Um, so that's that's a plus. It's an upside. So we're really just playing the odds all across that. It's my biggest position at the moment. Um, but I do believe it, it could have the potential to be a... a um, it could be a potential to be a base rate breaker if the small cell stuff works. If it doesn't, I should still get attractive market beating returns. We will see though, because this year has been tough. Stocks come down, I saw it come down maybe 25%. Double down, went another 25% down. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens, but that, that's kind of the overall thesis behind Crown Castle. Sure, yeah, and I don't think they're going anywhere either. They're kind of building that infrastructure network and differentiated technology. So. Uh, certainly could be a good value and attractive uh, bet from an odds uh, perspective. Yeah, no wonder you're so passionate about it. It's your biggest position. The summary that you gave us here, uh, is this about the level that you would convey to your audience in a podcast? Or would only parts of that be uh, what you give your audience? Yeah, that's another great question. I appreciate the opportunity. So we have a service called Value Spotlight. It is a monthly stock picking service. Once a month I'm picking a stock and sometimes it's a base rate breaker like Apple. Sometimes it's a play the odds like we bought Northrop uh, like a couple of years ago. So that's all available in Value Spotlight. And it's a place where kind of trying to build a community there of other people who like to find these kinds of stocks. But it's not so much a community as is a place where I'm doing in-depth research regularly on the stock picks. Like um, just Thursday, I released a post called Home Building Industry, is it a bubble about to pop? So that's a position we've had home builders for several years as well. So that's kind of the thesis behind, there could be value hiding in, in, in broad daylight. I'm gonna put a spotlight on that. And if you're the type of person who looks for these kinds of opportunities, then Hopefully that's a good fit and it provides value for people. Yeah, the home builders are so counterintuitive at this moment. Yeah. Uh, the conventional wisdom has always been high interest rates hurt the home builders. Right. Not only is it more expensive for, for people to finance new homes, but the cost of capital for these very capital intensive home builders also goes up. Yes. But in the high interest rate environment that we're in now, and with the supply constraint imposed after the financial crisis, people aren't moving out of their homes. So the new supply in the market is coming from the home builders. If you want to buy a home, you're buying new. It's actually crazy. And uh, even see, saw uh, Berkshire take a position in, I believe it was DR Horton. Of course, the position size was less than a billion, which is probably not a Buffett investment so it probably came from one of the lieutenants you have a home builder position yet i do not but okay. i'm curious what is the tldr on is it a bubble yeah so have you heard of the the book capital cycles it's um the guys from i think it was marathon asset management really great book i saw i see it recommended on twitter a lot um they talk about how everybody wants to talk about demand how many, how many, how many, we just did, right? How many people are going to use 5G? Uh, how much is the cloud adoption going to happen? How many semiconductors are going to be used? Blah, 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 blah. 
He argues that in a lot of these more cyclical industries, it's not about demand, it's about supply. And you can, what's nice about it is you don't have to make guesses. Your crystal ball doesn't have to be perfectly clear on where demand's going. If you analyze supply, which you can very easily, not easily, but you can do it, it's a fact, you can look at the supply, that can help you find opportunities in cyclical industries like semiconductors, uh, even banks he used as an example, he, they invested throughout the financial crisis and talked about the differences in financials when capital is cheap and capital is expensive. And so very counterintuitively, when supply is being ramped up, it can actually be a terrible time to buy something like that because you're buying at the top of the cycle. The TLDR, which it's already been TL, so I apologize. It's basically that right now where we stand on a supply level, the, if you measure it from new homes sold on a unit level, we're about in the middle of historical. So it's a bit higher than pre-pandemic. More homes are being sold, but it's still not as high as what we saw 06, 07. And even if you, if you go back further, we're, we're, we're right around historical average. So not necessarily a hot take to say that things that, however this year has gone, probably can continue if we're looking at historical. So that's, that was kind of my, the way I saw it is like, we, we have a pretty big position in home builders, a uh, company called Pulte Group. And we don't, I don't see it as like a great time to maybe add more, but I also don't think it's a bubble about to pop. I think, and, and management seems to agree, there's no shoe to drop like everybody says, says and thinks. We might really just see a continuation of what we've seen over the last 12 months, 18 months, whatever whatever your time horizon. Earlier you mentioned your newsletter that gets sent out once per month. And then I know you do a podcast, of course. How do you split your time between those two? Or are there other content that you publish? Right now, for me, that's my priority is those two. Um, my co-host and business partner, Dave Ahern, he really leads a lot of the stuff we do on the blogging side. We also have a blog website, investingforbeginners.com. Uh, kind of look at a lot of the things that I do in my research with Value Spotlight ends up on the podcast and becomes good content. So when you say split your time, I almost see it as like the time is like a force multiplier. Talking on the podcast reminds me of the things I should remember, like hold for the long term, don't look at the short term. Those are things I have to tell I have to tell myself all the time, and I say it on the podcast, I'm like, oh crap, now I better do it with my portfolio. So to me, it's really a force multiplier, it really all builds on each other. Um, if people are interested, again, we're, we're at the Investing for Beginners podcast, Your Path to Financial Freedom, and then the monthly service is valuespotlight.com. Awesome, we'll definitely link to you in the uh, show notes. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for coming on, and we'll catch up sometime soon. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I enjoyed it.